FreshBooks, there you have it, launched back in 2004. It was anti-VC for many years, then realized, you know what? If I can find people that understand our love of customer support and customer success, I'll raise. He found people that aligned with what he's doing now. $75 million raised, 300 people. You can get started on a free trial or upgrade to 15 bucks a month. Again, making collecting your money right via invoices significantly easier. Forbes reports over 50 million bucks in annual recurring revenue. He did not confirm or deny that. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Mike McDermott. He's the co-founder and CEO of FreshBooks, the world's number one cloud accounting software for self-employed professionals and their teams. Built in 2003 after he accidentally saved over an invoice, Mike spent 3.5 years growing FreshBooks from his parents' basement. Since then, over 10 million people have used FreshBooks to save time on billing and collect billions of dollars via their invoicing product. A lover of the outdoors, Mike has been bitten so many times, it's rumored he's the first human to have developed immunity to mosquitoes. Mike, you're ready to take us to the top. <laughs> All right, let's give it a shot. I'm looking at the sign behind you. Steeper runs make better skies. They're, they're skiers. There's not supposed to be mosquitoes on ski slopes. So why are you bitten up so much? Uh, I, uh, I I enjoy the outdoors, uh, as the uh, as the bio said there. So uh, I, I used to do a lot of canoe trips, long canoe trips, like ah. 30, 40 days. And um, uh, yeah, uh, so that, that would be where I encountered the majority of the mosquitoes in my life. That'll do it. Well, look, I first heard of FreshBooks because I got ended up getting very close with the Rackspace crew. Uh, Pat Matthews and Pat Kahn and some of these guys were early investors in my first company. I remember them just casually mentioning how impressed they were with you. And I think some of them invested in FreshBooks as well. So uh, I'm excited to chat with you. Give us a kind of tell us what FreshBooks does and, and how do you make money? Yeah. So uh, FreshBooks is ridiculously easy to use invoicing and accounting software. So we, we help folks create uh, and send professional looking invoices, uh, track expenses, ultimately just capture all those transactions that make it, you know, really filing your taxes and accounting at the end of the year uh, easy. As I like to say, if you if you invoice, you need fresh books. Um, what makes us a little different is that uh, we're not built for everybody. Uh, so we're focused on folks who uh, um, you know, get paid for their time and expertise when serving other people. So we don't uh, serve restaurants. We don't serve retail. Uh, we don't serve manufacturing. Um, really, really around client service based businesses, people who, uh, who who serve others. And that lets us keep the product simple, available on all your devices, all that good stuff. So that, that's a bit about FreshBooks. I got to tell you, when uh, full disclosure, you guys sponsored the show many months ago. And when I used it, one of the things that impressed the heck out of me was I always hated chasing money. My least favorite thing is to send an invoice and then have to remind them constantly to pay it. I hated it. And you guys have this nice little life cycle email. It's very soft push, very friendly, but boy, does it help you collect more money quicker without you having to send those nasty reminders. So I'm a fan of the product. What Give us a sense of what people pay on average to use the tool. If someone's listening right now. Oh, sorry. 
Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I won't go into the averages, but I'll say, hey, you can start out with a, a month for free. And if you find that we save you a bunch of time, which you probably will, we have packages ranging from uh, $15 to $50. And, and uh, you know, we have some folks who have a lot of uh, staff and things like that using things like time tracking or project management uh, that, that, that are built out and available through our offering. And so you know, some people pay us hundreds of dollars a month, um, but, um, you know, uh, uh, you can start out as, as low as $15. That's great. Or, or free for a month. That's right. Actually, yes, that's right. Better, better still. That's great. Okay, very good. And then um, can you keep using it for free or, or are they forced to make a decision at the end of that trial? Yeah. So, uh, you know, presently our business model is a free trial. So at the end of that period, you would you'd be asked to make a decision. And you know, our hope is that we've saved you an hour or more and that you value your time. And that's uh, generally what we find uh, to be true. I imagine you've tested this with the kind of cohorts you're working with. You have enough volume to really get clarity on these things. Why decide kind of on this model versus, you know, a a free model in perpetuity where once they send 10 invoices a month, they have to start paying or some other model? Yeah, so there there are various models, and I, I you know we have uh, participated in, in a variety of them over the years. I'll say we started out, uh, you know, rather unscientifically. Um, you know, I, I I will go so far as to say I think uh, there's lots of dynamics around pricing, including um, so so it's 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 hard to be scientific around it because yeah. markets, you know, and customer expectations, all these things are changing, and so you need to have a bit of a forward looking opinion around some of this stuff. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think there are, there are trade-offs on, uh, on all kinds of things. A freemium model, maybe get more, uh, people using, but fewer people paying, um, uh, with a free trial model, you have a decision point. So you can actually learn with more confidence because there's consistent periods in that. So if you're, you're thinking about business model, there's, there's various trade-offs in, uh, you know, one versus the other. And, um, uh, you know, it's an important decision that you have to make as a, an entrepreneur when you're, you're you're getting started. Yep. Okay. Good. So, give us more of, of the background here. So, you launched this. You said in two thousand and three. Yeah. I, so, I built the first version. We didn't launch until two thousand and four, and even that, I wouldn't say it was you know really much of a business till maybe two thousand and six ish. Um, but yeah. So, over a decade at it, and uh, you know, learned a bunch along the way. You you earned a little bit of a of a reputation of kind of the kind of the anti VC right I think you bootstrapped for over a decade uh, tell us kind of how you think about raising capital how much you raised to date and what kind of quote uh, broke your your thinking why decide to raise eventually yeah as I like to say uh, I, I was the poster boy for the anti VC movement for for a long time uh, and, and you know I think as I'll walk you through my thought process like. You know, there's there some good reasons for that, and and uh, you know, decided to change my mind, which is uh, the prerogative uh, that I'm afforded. So, um, I guess when we got started out, um, well, there were a couple factors at play. Um, I knew that uh, venture folks did not know, so it was not an even playing field with regards to. Um, you know, building these businesses. And, and so I felt like I was, I was behind the learning curve there at the outset. So that was that was something. But the, the core reason I didn't want to raise capital was because we really believed in customer service. And uh, I was always afraid I would somehow show up at a board meeting one day if we raised venture capital, people would tell me like, oh, you know, we're, we're outsourcing our service function now, service is a cost center. And I don't see it that way at all, especially serving SMB. And, and so, by the way, great to follow in with uh, the folks at Rackspace and, you know, big believers in service as well. And so, so that was the reason, like, it was basically like fear. Uh, and as I started to tease through the fear and the, the knowledge that I, I knew that I didn't know stuff, I uh, started to de-risk things in our business. So we started to de-risk 
you know, the product, the market. And it was actually when I, um, how, wait, how did I you know that Mike? How did, how did you know you were de-risking? Well, I mean, more and more people were signing up every day. They seemed to love what we're doing. You know, they're screaming about how great it is versus, you know, the incumbents. Uh, so, so, you know, for, for all those reasons and more and, and growth, like sustained high growth. Right. So it's like, huh, it doesn't seem like, you know, the, the, the like things are, are stopping. So, um, so, so for, for all those reasons, but the, the real thing I'll get at, which, which changed my mind was, um, so you're de-risking those things, but there was still one major problem we had. We got to about a hundred people and I had, you know, tried to surround myself with the, the best folks I could. And, and until I hired, like what I would call was my first sort of real executive. Um, what I realized is I just didn't know what I was looking for before that. And, you know, it's just a learning curve sometimes as an entrepreneur. And so, you know, then I hired that first executive and then I was like, okay, I'm addicted. I just need a bunch more of these. And, and by the way, now once you have that, the only thing really holding us back was capital. Uh, and so I had learned enough. We had been operating with a board, uh, you know, felt like, okay, the conditions are right for a few things. We've de-risked the opportunity. I feel like I, you know, have enough water under my keel to understand kind of the game and, 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 and I think this is very important. Um, and I feel like we're in a place where, if, you know, uh, afforded the opportunity to deploy some other people's capital, we can return it. Right. You know, cause that's, you know, that's success to me. Some people it's like, Hey, I'm just going to take someone else's money. It's, it's a bet. Like, I, I don't know, I guess my responsibility gene is if we're going to take it on, I want to want to pay it back. So I, I guess uh, at this point we've sort of secured over $75 million in, in capital, um, the U S dollars. Um, it, that's all the, equity or was yeah. any of that venture debt? Um, we have, uh, so I think we'd be a little over that if you had, you know, the, the affordance of, of, of debt, but you know, it's, it's yeah, capital. Well, I mean, that's one question I was going to ask you, right. Is, I mean, there's a lot of founders today that shared your same concerns about VC, right? So what they've done instead is they've just worked with some of these venture debt firms and they're having some success doing it. I'm curious why you didn't go more down that road route, or maybe you didn't, I just don't know about it. Um, I, I guess, um, Here's how I think about raising uh, capital and, and equity: is is um, it, like if you're going to give up, say, twenty percent of your company, right? You're going to raise around. Um, you know, if you can drive twenty percent more value, if you can grow the business by more, you're, you're neutral to good, right? Now you got to be able to return the capital, so you actually need to increase the value more than say twenty percent and that kind of thing, but. But, um, uh, I, you know, I think there's a great alignment. Actually, I'll say this. I got to a place where I felt like the board I had was wonderful. But, you know, I kind of left board meetings like, geez, I didn't get what I wanted out of that. Um, I, I was ready for professional institutional money. I had some great operators like, you know, one, you know, both still on the board, you know, uh, and uh, one of them runs an 80,000 person company. But but couldn't tell me market data, like how much should we pay you know executive who does this or like those kinds of things with professional investors like you know they just give you those answers tickety-boo because they're hiring those people all the time if you guys are like me it was quite a shock to me when i was building my first company heyo and we reached like 10 11 12 people and all of a sudden i'm going wait why am i getting notices from all these states and that's because i had to file payroll and stuff in these states as we started hiring people from remote locations it was the biggest pain in the in the butt i hated the paperwork i hated the payroll and so now today when i'm launching new companies hiring new remote employees i use a company called gusto it's very simple payroll benefits and hr for modern 
learn small businesses. What I like most, and I've timed this, it takes about seven minutes on average for my folks to run payroll. It's got fast, easy to run payroll, including W-2s and 1099s. I love that they have health benefits and 401ks all built in for nearly any budget. So you kind of just pick what you want. And they've got expert HR support just to call away so you don't have to hire you know, HR people in-house. But most importantly, it frees up my time. So I can go back to my Monday.com Kanban board, you know, plan the next sprint, you know, put the next spec out on the line and talk to three more customers. So if you want more effective payroll, you know, a lot of people change payroll providers at the end of the year. Now is really the best time to switch. So listeners of the podcast, you can go to NathanLacka.com forward slash Gusto to try a demo and test it out. Again, that's NathanLacka.com forward slash Gusto, and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. All right. I'll see you there. So, okay, good. So you raised uh, your first, your first tranche, I think was, it was 2013. You've since raised about 75 shift more. Let's shift more back kind of the customers here for a second. So serving SMBs, it's well known that churn can be really difficult to manage, especially at these price points. How have you managed your churn and what is it today? How, how would have you been able to drive it down to? Uh, so, so we really don't disclose any, any kind of give any kind of financial guidance. It's one of the nice things about being a private company. We compete with public ones. So, um, uh, but what do we do? I, I guess we've always just tried to focus on things from the, the client side and really understand, hey, what is that product that they're looking for and make sure we collect feedback if people are choosing to move on and understand why. And in our segment, a lot of times it's like, hey, I, I took a job, right? And it's like there's no feature that's going to like you stay in that scenario, right? Uh, um, so, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's that offering you know, a great level of service when called upon. Uh, in education, you know, we recognize that our customers, you know, they're experts in what they do. They're serving others and don't have a lot of time. So when they need help being able to pick up the phone and get a, a competent live person, you know, immediately, like we don't have a phone tree. You get a live person when you phone us. Uh, these are the kinds of things that actually do sort of matter over time. Mm-hmm. Mike, how do you manage? So, so I'm going to be devil's advocate here for a second. Someone paying you, if, if someone's listening right now and they have a similar price point as you, it's caught 15 bucks a month. They're saying, well, I can't do what Mike does because I haven't raised that capital and I can't afford to put a human touch on a $15, you know, paying customer. How have you been able to manage that? That's very difficult. I'll just say, hey, we were doing that before we raised any capital. So uh, hey, well, that's what I'm uh, saying. You say you figured something out. How did you do yeah, it before you, you raised capital? I, I think sometimes these things they start out where, where you start out. That was always that was always just part of how we did things. Um, so sorry, I think I might have cut you off there. No, no, Mike. All I was saying is, so yeah, tell us what you figured out. Even you were doing this before you raised capital. How does it work from an economics perspective? Well, what I would say is is back to. Um, I believe service uh, is an opportunity, not a cost center, right? And so, I, like, I don't know that we did the math <laughs> to say, like, we should do this or we didn't. We just always believe that, like, if your customer's phoning, it's worth it for you to be there and pick up the call, right? You're going to learn something. You're going to learn why they're leaving. So you can maybe stop the next one if you can't stop this one. Um, you're going to learn what are they looking for in the future, like all these kinds of things. So I'm a big believer in customer proximity and, uh, you know, telephone is, uh, you know, one great way still to stay in touch with your customers and, and the insight and the learning you get from that, I believe, you know, helps you be a customer centric company, which helps you find, uh, opportunities adapt to the market, all those kinds of things that are, you know, hard to find, uh, on any line in a spreadsheet, but actually become total difference makers for your culture your company, how you go after the market. Yep. 
Can you share anything, Mike, before we wrap up in terms of uh, scale you're at today in terms of either free users or total customers you're serving? Yeah. So what we uh, usually uh, just we're, we're a little shy of 300 people is kind of the, you know, one benchmark uh, that, but you know, I, uh, yeah, we, we basically don't disclose, but that's, that's, okay. that's one thing we do. Yeah. So, so where to like, I mean, my research team is really good, right? So they'll, they'll pull data that's publicly available. So like Wikipedia reports, you've got over 1.6 million accounts, not visitors as of like tw- in 2010, right? So like, where do they get this data from if it's not from what you're releasing? Great question. I, I didn't put it there. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, sa- same thing with Forbes, right? So they put your run rate at $50 million. Forbes usually does a very good job justifying numbers they put up publicly. Where do they get that kind of number? I, I think they said north of 50. Yeah. But where, so where do they get that number? Have you guys put out like minimums publicly at least or no, not at all? No, we haven't. No. Okay. So where do they get a number like that from in your opinion? Uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a, a great question. Uh, you know, Forbes is pretty, um, uh, you know, careful about publishing numbers that are accurate or not. I, yep. I, I know that part. Um, yeah. That's why I'm asking. Right. So I, I don't, I don't want to quote that number if it's really not correct, but it is public. So I wanted to ask you about it. So, uh, and give you credit where credit's due. So I understand you want to, you're private and that's a benefit of being private. You don't have to share this stuff, but, um, look, uh, I appreciate you sharing what you can share. Uh, means a lot to my audience. So, um, let's, uh, let's wrap up here with the famous five. So number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh, geez. Um, favorite business book. Uh, uh, you know, what I'm a fan of right now, if you have a team and you're growing and scaling a team, is Multipliers, which is basically about people building. Uh, I, I go another one for first-time managers. I guess it's first break all the rules out of Gallup's a good one. But both those are great on, on the people side. But I, I'm really loving Multipliers. Uh, very gratifying if you want to coach and mentor and develop others. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, good question. Um, I, uh, um, I have a board member I've been learning a lot from lately. Who's just taken a job running, uh, credit cards for, for Barclays right now. It's formerly capital one. So I've been getting a kick out of working with him. You probably haven't heard of him. So non-famous, but, uh, you know, really great. Well, uh, well what's their uh, name? That's the whole point is to kind of uncover yeah. gems. Uh, Shane Holdaway, and I don't know how much stuff he's going to have publicly out there, but okay. uh, great guy. All right, number three. What's your favorite online tool for building the business besides your own? Um, <laughs> I'd love to give like really boring answers for this stuff, but it's like you know, like so my mail client on where like email, like I can't do this without email. <laughs> yeah, what uh, mail client you know, do you use? Uh, I'm uh, I don't know if I should be ashamed, but I, I use Outlook. Okay. Uh, I use uh, I'm on iPhone. I just moved the Outlook app there. So I'm doing most of it by phone these days. All right. Number four, Mike, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Uh, bumped it up. Funny thing. Since I've had kids, I need more sleep. So uh, I'm probably seven, seven and a half hours these days. Uh, I kind of used to aspire to be, you know, sub, sub, you know, around six. But uh, no, I'm just not right unless it's seven and a half now. And what's your situation today? Married, single, and how many kiddos? Married, two kids, and a wonderful canine. All right. Two kiddos. And how old are you? Uh, Oh, that's for the public realm. There we go. I (laughs) I, honestly, like you're asking me and I'm not sure. I think I'm 41 or 42. Well, Uh, somewhere in uh, there. That's what, that's what too many canoeing trips will do to you. You lose track (laughs) of time, right? (laughs) Not something I spent a lot of time thinking about. All right, Mike, take us home. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Uh, I'm going to ask you, ask you that again, just because the connection just broke up uh, in asking. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Um, my 20 year old self, um, 
you know, I, I think I wish I got faster to the knowledge that I love designing and building things, but I'm sure glad I, I didn't know it was involved in, in starting on a journey like this because you'd never start. Guys, there you have it. He wishes he learned that he would have loved design earlier on, but he's glad he didn't know what it takes to do that because it's you never start if, if you knew all the all the things you'd have to face every day. Fresh books. There you have it. Launched back in 2004. It was anti-VC for many years. Then realized, you know what? If I can find people that understand our love of customer support and customer success, I'll raise. He found people that aligned with what he's doing now. $75 million raised, 300 people. You can get started on a free trial or upgrade to 15 bucks a month. Again, making collecting your money right via invoices significantly easier. Easier. Forbes reports over 50 million bucks in annual occurring revenue. He did not confirm or deny that. But Mike, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Uh, thanks for having me, Nathan.